Hello, and welcome to Rocket Accelerated Geek Conversation. This episode is brought to you by Squarespace. I'm Simone de Rochefort, supervising video producer at Polygon, and I'm here today with Christina Warren, senior developer advocate at GitHub, and Brianna Wu, executive director of Rebellion Pack. Uh, welcome to a Thursday morning full of irrelevant <laughs> stories. <laughs> we have we have an interesting show for you today. So last week, Bri and I covered uh, Microsoft Build from afar as Christina herself stood on stage and spoke to the people directly um, in uh, heels that I hear were very uncomfortable. Um, today, we're going to be hearing from Christina about like what her favorite parts of Build were and her take on some of the announcements that we talked about last week week. Then an ominous warning from AI researchers has been issued, and we will discuss it here on Rocket. And finally, for dessert, an update that we have been waiting for for months. <laughs> A bet resolved. For years. Uh, years. Yeah, a mystery. <laughs> Finally laid to rest. Will Elizabeth Holmes serve time in prison? That was our question. At least one day. That is what we wanted to know. And we finally have an answer, which means a payment will be made on this very episode of Rocket. If you are a booster subscriber, if you've gone to relay.fm slash membership and support us directly, you're going to receive not only an ad-free show, but also, of course, our bonus segment where we will be talking about the finale of Succession. So sorry if you don't watch Succession or if you've been waiting to watch Succession. At least you know that that content is behind a paywall so you don't have to be spoiled by it. <laughs> ah, that's my spiel. How are y'all doing this week? I'm feeling it. I'm feeling it. I'm uh, really excited to uh, uh, get to the score settling of that this episode. <laughs> I literally don't care about anything else we're going to talk about. <laughs> I know, truly, I truly, I'm, I'm, I'm. This, this is, this, this is a, a momentous occasion for us to talk about this. Um, I had a really good long weekend, and uh, last week was pretty awesome. This week, well, we'll see, listeners. We'll see how how this is for me. All right, all right, <laughs> okay. So last week, Microsoft build happened. It was huge and largely focused in the big announcements around AI. We heard about AI Copilot coming to Windows 11, uh, Copilot in 365, Copilot in Edge, uh, Bing uh, becoming the default search engine for ChatGPT, and an AI upgrade to Windows Terminal. Um, Christina, why don't you, I guess, start by telling us what, what was your, what were you doing at Build? Um, and then we can talk about how we feel about some of the big announcements as I try to remember what Bria and I felt last week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, no, so I was I was one of the hosts. Uh, I was one of the on-camera hosts um, in at, at the Seattle Convention Center. And so if you were tuned in online in between the, the big keynotes and the other sessions, you saw my my face as along with uh, Seth and Carolina, uh, and so I was basically doing banter as we do every week. Um, but I was also interviewing um, executives and um, developers, uh, you know, uh, before or after they got they got on stage. Uh, many times I was like backstage right after they got off stage, talking with them and really just trying to you know break down all the all the news. For, for everybody at home. So um, the, the convention center that we were at is, is a new space. It's actually really, really beautiful. 
And as you mentioned, I was in heels and they were, the heels were actually not uncomfortable. I just messed up my knee and my hamstring. And so it was unideal for me personally to be running around um, like for 10 plus hours every day. But like my call time was 6 a.m. and I left like after 6 p.m. Uh, both both days, and then there were rehearsal days too. So that that part, my feet aside of it, uh, it was a really really good time. It was great seeing people in person, and uh, yeah, my role was basically talking to people. All right, but you look gorgeous, and I, Thank I you. have to say I love that you're out there repping women in tech, where there's this like. You know, this this dated stereotype that women in tech are like, you know, frumpy, you know, blah, blah, blah. And you're just out there being the complete opposite. Being a glamazon. <laughs> Personally recruiting like armies of young girls to go into engineering. So I f- loved it. I hope so. Not that they'll hear this, but shout out to Harmony Gerard and Linda, the, my glam squad. So, yeah. Oh. Uh, speaking of, I guess your, your particular, uh, vibe that you bring to, uh, to tech, I want to talk about the, the AI chatbot uh, in terminal because you have previously been, I guess the, uh, an advocate for sexy terminal, the yes. sexy terminal rebrand. Um, yes. so this, so this is a, an addition that like can offer suggestions for code and things that'll make working with windows terminal easier. Uh, was this one of the ones that you were excited about or how do you feel about the terminal upgrade? Totally. No, totally. So part of how, how the terminal upgrade works is this is actually using a product that my company, uh, GitHub, uh, uh, makes called GitHub uh, Copilot. And so this is part of GitHub Copilot X, uh, which is basically um, kind of a, a larger name for initiative of, of things beyond just the traditional GitHub Copilot. And so GitHub Copilot uh, X, for, for Terminal, um, which is now going to be built into Windows Terminal. It's also something that you can install on, on Linux uh, or um, in Mac OS. Um, is really great because it lets you use natural language in the terminal to do things, which is awesome. So for instance, if I wanted to write uh, a regular expression to do something, I could do that. Or if I say, okay, write me you know, a, a script to run FFmpeg, and uh, YTDLP to download just the highest quality video in MP4 from a certain site. I could just tell it to do that, and then it would write out everything that I needed to do, and I could then execute that in the terminal. And wow. you can also use it as a way to integrate with like the, the GitHub CLI um, and, and, and other um, command line tools, again, using natural language. Mm-hmm. I think the the natural language thing is interesting because one of the I, I, it has come back to me now what Brie and I talked about last week, and one of the questions that I had was whether the the integration of like communicating with a computer in natural language will kind of create a bell curve of ease of tech use for people who are older and less familiar with tech, like when it comes to interacting with say Windows eleven, but then mm-hmm. also we both felt this kind of innate distrust of what was shown, for example, with the like using chat GPT to filter Zillow search, for example, like here, I want a house, I'm looking for a house in this area, this price, this many bedrooms, etc. And my feeling was like, I, 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 of course, that's one of the things that probably an AI can easily do. Like, there, there's no inherent danger to that. I don't feel like a, a like, 
a sense of threat by it, but I'm just like, I, I kind of want to look myself. That's one of those things that I feel sure. like I would be more comfortable doing because I can like look at, I can see the compromises. So I, I don't know. Do you have any feelings, I guess, about uh, natural use of computers for people who are less technically adept, plus, I guess, the the integration of AI into these mundane tasks that we simply have to do and maybe can't emotionally give up? Right. So I think that I think that it's two things. I think one, you're right that it, it, this is good for people who have different tech skills. And like one of the examples that I just gave was something that actually, even if you're really technically proficient, most people don't have all the FFmpeg command lines things like uh, arguments rem- like memorized. I don't. I have to look it up every single time. I literally have scripts saved to Text Expander that I run, or I have them in my dot files to run for that reason. Right. So. Mm-hmm. That's that's one thing I think that's that's good for people of all computer levels. For the second part, though, I think you're right that there is kind of this inherent distrust where we want to check our work and we want to make sure that what the AI is doing is actually what we would do. But I wonder, I mean, what part of the way that we do things with, with Copilot, which I like, is that, like, for instance, in the terminal, how it works is that it will show you what the command is that it's going to run, and it will ask you if you want to run it. So I see the work as it's being done, and I can kind mm. of get like an idea, do I want to run this or not? Do I trust this or not? Now, depending on how much knowledge you have, you may or may not, like some of it might look like gibberish, and you're like, cool, and, and maybe it's not, <laughs> right? Like I think that it, it should be perfectly safe, but, but you know, there, there's always, I'm always going to insert caveats there. Um, but I think that that would be something that would be useful when we start talking about how these things are used in search. The more I think that you can show the work of what it's doing, um, I think maybe the more comfortable people would be, if that Mm -hmm. makes any sense. And and I don't just mean footnotes in results, which I think is a good thing, but I mean in terms of like even like if you could have like an output log so that you could view if you needed to, this is literally what queries it's putting in and this is kind of like what it's doing. I think that at least in the short term, that might make people more comfortable ceding that control if you know this is literally yeah all it's all it's doing Bree, any thoughts on uh build or questions for christina well, about the occurrence I, I guess you know my analysis last week is that you know christina there's a story that came out recently about a uh, a lawyer that's finding himself uh um out um basically for sanctions uh mm-hmm. for using chat gpt and um uh, generating false uh, cases, yes. uh, basically, and arguing that in front of a judge. And the judge went and resor- researched the cases they did, mm-hmm. uh, found out they didn't exist. And, you know, later uh, came forward and, you know, he's showing like the queries that he gave ChatGPT. And he asked explicitly, like, is this a real case? ChatGPT comes forward and says, "Yes, this is a real right. case." I understand for the for the example that they gave. You know, they're they're working with literally the tools that lawyers use every single day. There's no lawyer practicing today that doesn't have access to Westlaw, for instance. Right. But um, you know, I think there's there's still that worry, and that's what Simone and I talked about last week. Since you were there and understood. The I, I assume you understand the the product that's coming out more than Simone and I do. Just watching a, a demo, um, is, is there something there to to obviate those fears in this implementation with Microsoft Fabric, or is this um, or is this an accurate worry, basically? 
so Microsoft Africa is something different. Um, sure. it, so Microsoft Africa is, is completely different. Like there are some maybe AI things with that, but that's actually a, a data analysis analytics service. It's like a roll up of, of a bunch of different data things, which is really interesting. But that that that's separate. But I think you're right. I did. I had an interesting conversation with Curtis um, Bevers, who is on the design team, about how they are thinking about designing interfaces around. Um, AI. And and one of the things that he and I talked about, actually, even in our pre-call, and then kind of made it the focus of our interview a little bit, was how do you prevent, or maybe not prevent, um, you know, the misinformation from coming out? Because what this basically is, is, is it, it at this point, it, it is like, you know, autocomplete, uh, that the, basically the system is giving you the answers it thinks that you want. And many times that's accurate, but sometimes it might not be. And so the, we, what, what Curtis has, has argued um, and what you know, we need to do in terms of, of how we start designing these systems is making it pretty explicit to people, this might not be true. Right. You need mm-hmm. to do your homework. You need to actually find if these cases exist, right? Like, I'm, I'm partially sympathetic to the lawyer who, who did this. I'm actually not that that, that <laughs> sympathetic, however. Like, I'm really not. Because in, in, it, it, to me, it would be like using Wikipedia, but not checking to see if the links that are cited actually go to a real case, right? Like, if you're going to use the summary, but not actually look at the case law and make sure that it's there, like, I'm, I'm not that sympathetic. It was but I so am sympathetic dumb. To, <laughs> right. But I am sympathetic to the larger point, which is people are going to become much more reliant on these tools because they are right often enough and they are um, convincing more to the point, often enough that you be, you can trust them very easily, right? Mm-hmm. In a way that that Siri and in our previous generation of like AI assistants were not good. These are good more they're often than not. Liars. And <laughs> but but well, I was going to say they're convincing. So I think this is a place well, I was where say you really Siri need, is bad. A bad oh, liar. oh, Siri is yeah. a very bad liar. Yeah, but 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 you know, I think this is a place where you really do need to have design tools in place to make it explicit. This hey. This might not be 100% accurate. If you're going to be using this for X, Y, or Z, like, check your work. Yeah. You know, like, I think, I think that, and I think as time goes on, that will be better. I think that's one of the good things that they have with the Bing implementation, for instance, is that there are footnotes. So theoretically, if you're using something like that to ask about case law, it would have to cite an actual case, and you could click on a hyperlink and see that that case exists and then read the summary. And mm-hmm. then hopefully, if you're a lawyer who's writing a brief, you would actually read more than the summary, right? So I, I think that that's uh, it's definitely but a concern, but I think this is an reading. area where— No. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> All right. I think we're going to wrap up our talk on Microsoft Oh, can I ask build? one more quick question yeah, before we move it. on? Um, so we didn't get to hardware announcements last week. So are, are there, like, I wanted to ask, what is the biggest, like, consumer-focused product that you're excited about from this? Okay, I'm going to be honest. I don't even know what consumer hardware there was that was announced. So maybe mm-hmm. there were some Surface things. I don't know. Um, but the coolest thing I would say, just from a consumer standpoint, is some of the updates coming to Windows 11. A, the, the Copilot built-in, I think, is really cool. Like, if you can say you know, talking, like, it's so much going to be so much more useful than having, like, Siri on your Mac. It's basically like having, like, kind of like a, a chat GPT widget built into Windows, but you can actually use it to do Windows-related tasks. And then there's this new thing called Dev Home, which is part of what the Windows terminal upgrade is about, which is really designed for making things, you know, uh, like making Windows a really good platform for, for developers. 
Um, but I, I, I'm going to be totally honest. If there were hardware announcements, I was completely unaware. Yeah, I didn't see anything hardware. I didn't know if I'd missed anything. So good to know I did not. Hey, this episode of Rocket is brought to you by Squarespace. Squarespace is the all-in-one platform for building your brand and growing your business online. You can stand out with a beautiful website, engage with your audience, and sell anything. Your products, services, and even the content that you create. Squarespace has got you covered. With Squarespace, you can use insights to grow your business. If you've ever wondered where your site visits and sales are coming from, where are they coming from? Where do they keep coming from? And which channels are most effective? You can analyze all of that in Squarespace. Once you've got that data, you can improve your website and build a marketing strategy based on where those site visits are coming from. Based on your top keywords or most popular (laughs) products and content. You can also get started with best-in-class web templates and customize them to fit your needs. It's easy. Uh, it's as easy as browsing the category of your business to find the perfect starting place. And you can customize those templates with just a few clicks, and then people will start visiting your website. And then you could find out where they're coming from! You can also stand out in any inbox with Squarespace email campaigns. Why not encourage your visitors to sign up as email subscribers? and start them on the journey to becoming loyal customers, no matter where they're coming from. Just start with an email template and customize it by applying your brand ingredients like site colors and logo. Plus, built-in analytics measure the impact of every send. Squarespace is super fun to work with. I I was just in uh, England uh, visiting a friend of mine, and she is using Squarespace uh, for her church's website. And she was saying, it is super freaking easy to use. They're getting their little interns to use it, and the interns are are building Squarespace websites. They're They're adding, they're literally adding custom colors and logos to their Squarespace website, and she's updating it. They've created a really large website. She was like, look at it and tell me if you have any suggestions. And I was like, you've added simply too many pages to your website. So perhaps somebody got a little carried away and was like, I'm having so much fun adding pages to my Squarespace website that I I cannot stop. I cannot stop. Uh, to which I say, Squarespace makes it super easy. You could just have like a one page site, a beautiful splash page. Amazing. Or you can create a labyrinthine, an absolutely labyrinthine website for your church. it's as easy as clicking a button head to squarespace.com slash rocket for a free trial with no credit card required and when you're ready to launch use the offer code rocket to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or a domain that is squarespace.com slash rocket and when you decide to sign up use the offer code rocket to get 10% off your first purchase and show your support for us here at rocket Our thanks to Squarespace for their support of this show and all of Relay FM. AI researchers have issued a frightening warning. A 22-word statement has been issued by a group of top AI researchers, engineers, and CEOs. It reads simply, quote-unquote, 
Mitigating the risk of extinction from AI should be a global priority alongside other societal scale risks such as pandemics and nuclear war. The Center for AI Safety published the statement and it's been co-signed by notable figures uh, as listed by The Verge. I didn't want to just rewrite the list myself, so I'm quoting them. Uh, Google DeepMind CEO, Demis Hassabis and OpenAI CIO, CEO, God, Sam Altman, as well as Jeffrey Hinton and Yoshua Bengio, two of the three AI researchers who won the 2018 Turing Award for their work with AI. End quote. Earlier this year, uh, a group with some overlap with this group uh, had also published a letter calling for a six-month pause in AI development over similar concerns. Uh, the statement today was made kind of in response to that, uh, which is why it is only 22 words long, to prevent what happened after that previous message went out, which was everyone arguing over the call to action and whether or not they thought it was right, which it wasn't. But um, okay, so a very a very doomy, a very doomy statement from but from people who are involved in AI research uh, in, in various capacities. What are we thinking? Is it do me? I mean, that, that's, that's, is it do me? Like that, that, do that's me. like my honest question. Like it is. The yeah. headlines like, about is it are it? certainly that's what you do said. me. Yeah. But the statement itself, if you read it, like, I don't yeah. think that actually is. I think, I think that this, that the statement is actually rather sanguine. I think that yep. the, I think that the, I think the reporting here is wrong. If, if mm-hmm. I'm going to be honest. I think mm-hmm. the reporting here is is what's inflammatory and is going to something because the statement is again mitigating the risk of extinction from AI should be a global priority alongside other societal scale risks such as pandemics and nuclear war. That's it. That's literally it. Like you could read it's not saying anything about how long do we take until we're potentially getting there. We're not saying anything about like this is going to happen tomorrow. The technology is here or anything like that. It's simply saying that, you know, mitigating risk from AI should be, you know, global priority the the same way that we mitigate risk from anything else. Yeah, I think that's fair. Yeah, I certainly agree with that. The statement itself is, um, yeah, it's dead on. I I don't think it's quite this bad, but I think on the surface, it has the same energy as like Exxon going and taking out, um, you know, ads on Twitter about how much they care about climate change. Not not because of (laughs) like, I think it's the same order of magnitude, but you know, these are literally the exact same people that um, you very frequently have this you know, libertarian-centered ideology, and they're extremely rich, and you know they spend their professional careers kind of uh, defanging any kind of regulatory apparatus. Right? Elon Musk right. being an excellent example of that. So, it's I, I think um, like just valuing the message itself. I wholly agree. I mean, there's no example in human history of us finding a technology that's useful and you know deciding to put yeah. it aside and stop using it. So, um, And also you know, not using uh, it to kill people. That, um, <laughs> well, yeah, right. ex- exactly. So we we need that. I, I don't know if y'all saw this uh, headline that came out this weekend, but basically uh, there was a help hotline that tried to uh, unionize and uh, they basically fired everyone that volunteered there. Oh and God. then uh, this was for an eating disorder helpline and they implemented chat uh, chatbot uh, in its stead to basically help people and it started immediately giving them bad answers, right? Mm-hmm. As, a, as a cost-saving measure, um, I think it's really smart to uh, realize that this is a technology that 
taken as a whole directionally um, is going to be used to disempower workers in a lot of different cases. That's not to say it's pointless or useless. We just need to be very, very aware of that. So for you to have credibility in saying, oh, let's just do some regulation on this, I think you've got to, um, I, I think you need to have a, a background of uh, empowering regulators to do their job and not undermine them, right? Uh, Elon Musk, in particular, his efforts to uh, defang the, um, basically, uh, the SEC, <laughs> right, which he's come out again and again and again and yeah. just flat out defied, I, I think it just makes it come off as hypocrisy of the first order. Yeah, I mean, and to be clear, and I don't, I don't think he signed this this statement. I'm not oh, sure is he, if he not? I know no, he no, 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 no. He signed the last one, the last Got one, which it. I wholly yeah. disagreed with. He signed the last one, which basically called called for the pause on oh, AI stuff. Okay. And that one, to me, and I think we talked about it at the time, struck me completely as sour grapes. Yeah. It was largely signed by people who are not able to take advantage financially of this current wave of large language models and generative AI. Uh, which, to be clear, like. This is the culmination of, of a decade or so of work. We're finally now at the point where it can be productized and useful. But, like, I, I don't know what we can say is when is the next big wave of things that are going to be, like, truly, like, revolutionary. I don't know when that tech is going to be ready, right? Like, the things that we're doing now are certainly impressive and are, and are cool and are very useful. And to your point, they could be used to disenfranchise people the same way technology often is, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but it could also be used, I would argue, to, to create new job categories as well. So there, there's trade-offs. But this this thing, this statement, was basically, to, to Simone's uh, point earlier, I think in response to that earlier letter that that I, I personally found completely, uh, like, I rolled my eyes because I was like, you're calling for something that is, A, not going to happen, and B, like, you're you're putting into place like existential risks that aren't even here yet and and that stopping like pausing this isn't going to stop whereas this new statement simply seems to be kind of like an acknowledgement that is like this this should be a global priority to to mitigate you know risks the same way <laughs> that we do other things um i mean and notably i will say and and i think that this is i'm in my personal opinion i think this is probably a, a little bit of a cynical play and a little bit you know, placating. But uh, this, this part of what I'm going to say, many of the people who did sign this particular statement, who some of them signed the other letter, but many of them did not, mm-hmm. have been publicly calling for regulation in AI. Like they've literally been in Congress talking about wanting to regulate things. Now, the cynical part of me says that's because they want to have control over some of these technologies and these profit motives for themselves rather than believing in the power of regulation. But that that is literally what many of the, these leaders are calling for. So it, it, it's, it's sort of a, the reporting on this particular thing is, is sort of interesting to me because it doesn't seem necessarily aligned with like what reality is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's, well, I think it, it's not aligned with reality in two ways. I think you've outlined the, uh, the existential, um, uh, basically outlined the the overstatements and the cynicism about the statement itself. For me, the the thing I find far more worrying is 
you know, this is a Senate where, you know, I'm sorry, like the Diane Feinstein situation, like yeah. you have someone that's not in control of their faculties. It's like deciding on, you know, SCOTUS decisions, right? Like she's serving on the Justice Committee. Um, and like clearly she's not able to perform those duties here. Looking at this pragmatically, like it, it it's the right message to come forward and say, um, you know, we should be regulated, we should be regulated, we should be regulated. I think looking at the situation realistically, um, I don't think there is, I think there's a skill issue with the <laughs> current United States Congress Hashtag to skill do issue. this. Hashtag so if you L. really, truly, it is a skill issue. It is. Yeah, it I is. agree, I agree. So I think looking at this realistically, there's not, it's not like there's nothing they could be doing to concretely um, address this. Like, mm -hmm. um, not to say I want this as the ultimate thing that we choose to do, but let's look at the ESRB, right? Like, this is a really good example of the tech industry coming together and basically doing some self-regulation that I think directionally largely worked. Uh, when the ESRB was formed, there was a real question in the industry if we should have violent content. The industry came forward, started self-rating all the games with the independent board, and then parents had the decision uh, to uh, over what they were going to let their children play. And that was continued yep. to like parental controls, right? This was a really good example of the industry coming forward, realizing there was a public interest in giving people the tools to do this. I yep. don't see any reason that Silicon Valley, if these people truly for that. believe this, why don't they put something together themselves? They certainly well, got the resources. They know the experts. I mean, why can't they make that happen? Well, the, the, I mean, in fact, though, they are actually calling for that. That's actually literally what, the, what they're calling for. I mean, like Sam Altman was in Congress two weeks ago saying that the government agencies should license AI companies and then and then find them if they do wrong. I mean literally they're calling for this stuff to be licensed and 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 for people to to have to, you know, have some sort of like, you know, certification to be able to to run systems and things like that. So many of these companies are absolutely trying to do exactly that. Now, I think that you could take the the cynical side, which is not dissimilar from the cynical side of the SRB, which is that the, the companies who have a profit motive and are successful right now want to, they're in favor of having these sorts of licensing things and, and having, you know, uh, the ability to be sanctioned. They're, they're pushing for that because they're already in the space and they would, I think, potentially like to limit other people from, from entering it, right? There's right. a certain level of gatekeeping there. Oh, but, yeah. But, that, yeah, but, 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 but to be clear, like, that's literally what, um, you know, at least a number of the, the people um, who signed this statement have actually been talking to Congress about for the last few weeks. Well, I guess what I'm thinking of is is less of that model and thinking more like, um, what if you had an independent board of AI ethicists, right? That were sitting there and 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 basically writing best practices, right? And sure. then you had a coalition of people with the uh, the tools and the APIs and the servers and underlying technologies like Google, saying like, look, you need to meet. A, B, and C provisions before we're going to give you, you know, access to our part of this pie, right? That would yeah. be an example how you can kind of shape the way that this is implemented and have Silicon no. Valley empowered to take away those licenses. No, and I totally agree with that. I think the challenge there would be like, how do you enforce that? Like, I think that it's like it the the way that ESRB and the MPAA, which is the predecessor. I mean, that that's what 
uh, ESRB basically was based sure, on was, was sure. film ratings. Um, it, that's, uh, and, it, you know, Jack Valenti famously was like, you know, we have to regulate ourselves before the government regulates us. And and as much as I detested Jack Valenti, that was correct uh, yeah. for a lot of reasons. But I think that the, the challenge with some of this stuff is, is like, you know, there was a, um, I guess, kind of almost like financial motive where for retailers or for theater chains to adhere to the ratings council, right? Um, now, they didn't have to, right? Like stores, it is still at their discretion if they want to check people's IDs and it's still at game companies' discretion if they want to carry a rating or not. The same way it is for for film companies. Plenty of films have been released without, without ratings um, and that's become more common over the years. But there was generally kind of like a, a profit motive part of that where it was like, well, if you don't have a rating, then we won't carry you in mm. cinemas. I think that that is, I don't know if that works without a government, uh, I, I don't know if that works in, in, in the world of the internet and with cloud computing, if you don't have a government regulator there basically saying, like, we will fine you if, if you do those things. Like, I agree with you that having an independent ethics board and those things would be a fantastic part of it. But I don't know how you would hold anyone accountable from running those things and doing that stuff if you didn't have a government component. And I say this as someone who is generally distasteful of a lot of government regulation just because I find them incompetent, not because I'm against regulation in theory, but just because I find our our, our Congress incompetent to, to, to regulate things. I guess what I'm saying here is I, this is not my area policy expertise, right? And I'm sure, like, I would not want to serve on that board. And I'm sure there's a lot of stuff I'm missing. But it seems to me that when you're talking about DL, ML, you know, a lot of these underlying technologies, you are relying on things that Microsoft has built. You're relying on things that Google has built. You're relying mm-hmm. on things that Amazon has built, like those data centers. And if there were like a standards board that all of these um, companies were were joining to sure. to say like look we're only going to give you access to these technologies if you meet, if you meet X Y and Z standards I, I realize this is an idealistic uh, pipe dream but I think it's a more um, plausible path forward than expecting the United States government to suddenly wake up tomorrow and empower no. regulators to look at AI and, and, in and a, you're not in a wrong way. <laughs> and you're not wrong and, and I think that you could do that with some of the big clouds I think that you could yeah. get Amazon Google and Microsoft to agree to that I don't think you could get Alibaba to agree to that. Yeah. I don't think you could get some of the other Chinese clouds to agree to that. I yeah. don't think that you could agree to people who want to run things in their own data center to agree to that. And oh, that's yeah. sort of the pro- and that's sort of the problem with this, I think, compared to it, it's the same way that Steam lets titles in without ESRB. And I don't mm. know, like I, I don't want to go on too long. I know we need to move on to our next topic, but I don't know if ESRB would work today just because of the way that people buy things. Yeah, like I, fully I think that agree. the reason I think the reason ESRB worked was because you had retailers who were scared into all kinds of other things. Who said, if you don't have these ratings on your games, we won't carry them. And then yeah. told sixteen-year-olds like me, fifteen-year-olds when I was working <laughs> at the electronics boutique, um, yeah, I was like fifteen when I got my job. You have to check people's ID for certain games, and I'm like, I'm not going to do that. I don't care. The six twenty-five an hour you're paying me, or whatever I was making. <laughs> like, if a kid wants to buy a game, like I'm not that. That's not on me. You know what I mean? Like, I, I I would kind of like I would let people buy Grand Theft Auto and did not care. But like I'm calling the police. But, but you know, but putting people like me as not doing my job aside, like you had that that part of it that could that could kind of self-regulate. I think that the problem with 
AI, frankly, is that it is going to become a commodity relatively quickly because with the different models. And then I don't know how you enforce that if somebody can run it on their own machines that you can't control. Yeah. So that, 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 that's why I think that there has to be, if we're going to have regulation, there has to be a government component there. But I do agree with you that there should also be a coalition that the big clouds should sign and, and that, you know, maybe that could be a certification that the people could use as, frankly, a marketing tactic the same way people used it to, you know, say their games. Hey, look, we're, we're kosher. We got our game, um, you know, approved by this agency to say, hey, you, you can yeah. trust our AI service because it has this seal of approval from, from the various clouds. Yeah, just one super quick thing, and we'll finish this up. Um, I I 100% agree with everything you just said. I think the path to government regulation on this would be much easier if you had independent experts in the technology world um, kind of uh, making a lot of these overall calls directionally, looking at the most modern technologies as they emerge and kind of uh, being a decision point and and recognizing that there's going to be a drift and a lot of um, uh, concerted effort to corrupt that board and tilt it towards the worst practices. But I think if government like had something that was had a veneer of credibility, and they said, look, we're only going to fund X, Y, and Z if it's approved by X entity, right? If uh, you are not meeting X standard, you cannot, like, this is not, you can be fined if you don't use this in the United States, right? I think that that takes the the biggest part of this away from Congress, which is uh, trying to understand uh, how to find their asses with a flashlight technology-wise, <laughs> right. and then like giving them somebody with credibility that they can point to. I, I really understand this is a utopian like like vision. I just think it's it's the best plausible path forward I'm able to see at this point. All right. Are you both ready for some desserts? Elizabeth Holmes has surrendered to federal prison in Texas to begin serving an 11-year term (laughs) for defrauding investors. She reported to a minimum security facility in Bryan, Texas on Tuesday. Previously, she had asked to remain free while pursuing her appeals, but was denied. Uh, Also, at this prison, I learned today when I was reading about it, Jen Shaw of Real Housewives of Salt Lake City. Um... But yes, more she's importantly, there. she's there. They're going to be friends. They're going to be best friends, besties. Um, more importantly, for the purposes of so. our show, a bet had previously been laid by our very own Brianna Wu and Christina Warren <laughs> on whether or not, cynically, mm-hmm. Elizabeth Holmes would actually end up setting foot in jail or not. A bet of $500 was placed. Brianna said, yes, she will serve time for this <laughs> crime. She'll ser- she did the crime. She'll serve the time. Hashtag. Uh, And Christina said, I simply don't believe in consequences. Uh, And I think today we have seen, (laughs) we are seeing consequences. That's not what my point was. No, you you were like, she's too insulated. I'm a real loser here. Yeah, your point was that she's simply too insulated to end up serving time for what she did. Yes. Also, also, for for, for listeners who have not been, for listeners who have not been following this entire saga, I would like to preface this. I did not make this bet after she was convicted. This is what some people have uh, on, on Twitter and Blue Sky and Mastodon have misunderstood. I did not make this bet before she was convicted. I am dumb. I am not that dumb. Um, I made this bet before the trial even started. Yeah, this is so, a long standing. This has been brewing for years and years. Years. Literally years. Literally so, years. 
let's any statements, ladies. Uh, Brianna, do you have a little victory speech? Are you going to be gracious? Yep. Uh, no, no. In fact, <laughs> I want to say this ended up costing me money because <laughs> this is what happened. Inflation. So I was out at the Lego store the other day, and well. I was like, um, you know what? Christina's going to be paying me that uh, $500, I hope. I'm going to go ahead and buy this $400 Lego set, the Knight's Castle, which is this throwback to the Lego sets of the 80s. And I brought it here, and I built it all. Great time, sorry for swearing. It's okay. Uh, Building it. And then I was like, well, I still got $100 of this left. The Christina's probably going to be paying me. So then I go out to the Lego store and I buy the Doctor Strange uh, Mystic Emporium (laughs) set and the the Boutique Hotel uh, Modular Building set, which costs $500. (laughs) I'm putting those together now. And I'm like, yeah, that's really the set that Christina's going to be buying me. I just want Knight's Castle on my own. And then it's like, oh, okay, I've got two modular Lego sets now for $500. Now I've got to build a whole city. So I'm looking at like the, uh, you know, the the other modular building sets to like build a whole, you know, I'm like, yeah, I really should send this $300 on, uh, you know, the coffee shop and the police station. So this is going to end up costing me way more than you got, Christina. So thank you for that. Okay. So so I would just like to say that does make me actually feel a little bit better because <laughs> that means we're both out $500. Yes. So, yeah. so also for anyone um, who, uh, I, I just want, I, I just want to point this. So that does actually make me feel a lot better. Um, I also hope you enjoy building your city and enjoy yes. your Legos very much. Yes. Yes, um, and enjoy the adult. product. Yeah. And, and enjoy the product of, of, of your well-earned win. Uh, she was convicted. She is actually now serving time, even though there was more than, it's been a year and a half, I think, since, since she was sentenced. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this is this is proof, I think, on my part that I was not wrong to be cynical about. Uh, she did do her best to keep you in five hundred dollars. She tried really hard for you, Christina. She really did. She she really did. Um, but I would also just like to say, I mean, this is just, this is one of those things that was like, okay, like I I'm 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 a I'm an adult. I I womaned up. I uh, no one can accuse me of not like making good on bets, just as I did with the Andrew Yang bet, where I lost to those Yang-ganging fools um, (laughs) because he did stupidly make it all the way to Election Day. He lost, as I knew he would, but but he did actually take it all the way to Election Day. Uh, That that was another bet that I lost uh, for for newer listeners. Um, And and I immediately made good and paid those fools. I Venmoed them immediately. And I Venmoed Bree literally, like, as she surrendered on on Tuesday, so amazing. I, I, I'm a woman of my word, and uh, congrats, congratulations, no. Brianna. Um, it is interesting. It is interesting. I was having a conversation with my friend Carrie Paul, who works for the Guardian and attended the trial, and she and I are actually the most excited about what you mentioned, uh, Simone, which is that Jen Shaw and Elizabeth Holmes, like we really want like an orange is the new black. Like romance well, they situation start filming a reality show. We want like there. a Piper and Alex thing. I agree. I would watch it. So I have a, a question for you both, uh, which is: Would you be interested in placing a bet on how much of her sentence she'll serve? Oh no! Yes, <laughs> no. 
<laughs> no, because uh, federal. Um, well, no, but no, no, but the, no, but this is why. This is why you don't get parole in federal sentences. You have to serve like you get t- you get time taken off your sentence for good behavior, but there is no such thing as parole for a federal sentence. Which means she will be serving. I think it's seventy percent or seventy five percent of the sentence. Um, presuming that she behaves correctly, which she will, that is set in stone. The only way she will be leaving early, and I do think this is a likely possibility, but I don't know the state of how much she's paid her lawyers and other things, would be if there is if she's able to get out on an appellate issue. So her appeals mm. are have not really started. They just were not willing to keep her out of jail while the appellate process goes on. So her, her, I'm sure that they have a, a number of various claims to 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 appeal the sentencing and and the judgment and and potential you know problems with the trial. Um, so I do think that it's, I personally think it's unlikely she will serve the the full seventy five percent or whatever the federal term is. But I'm not willing to make any bet on that because um, again, like this is the federal sentences are not the same as as state ones like the. You don't like it's not one of those scenarios where somebody is sentenced to 25 years and then they get off in two years. Like you have to serve unless you get off on an appellate claim. You have to serve like that. The the vast majority of your sentence. Okay. There's no wiggle room there. Yeah. So and it's pretty unlikely. Uh, I will that, not make a bet on that. Yeah, I don't know. I wouldn't put anything past her, to be honest. <laughs> like, I think this is a place where I'm cynical. Did you see the Twitter thread from someone? Yes. Uh, yesterday so that was talking about. Um, trying to be recruited by Elizabeth Holmes yes. amazing. after after the John Kerry Wall Street Journal uh, yes. editorial. And basically, uh, just to simplify for listeners, um, she had gotten to one of the one of his professors and was quote unquote coaching Elizabeth Holmes on how to move forward uh, from here. And other people in the school program were like pressuring him to go uh, join Theranos again after. This is in 2017. 2017. After the Carrie piece. To be her head of finance. To yes, be her head of finance. Head of finance. And he's fresh out of school and she's going and meeting him in the cafeteria and looking him dead in the eye and going, I've heard so much about you. I've been looking for someone to move forward with me. I think that person is you. I can't do this without you. Oh my he God. finds himself like under the spell and going like, shit, I want whatever superpower she has. Mm-hmm. Like, this is amazing. So when it comes to her ability to mojo her way out of that jail somehow, like maybe it's corrupting. I, I don't know what's going to happen, but. Uh, it would have to be an appellate thing. It would yeah. have to be an appellate thing. Yeah. Um, as much fun as it would be to fantasize about anything else. I will say though, I, again, I was having this conversation with Carrie um, yesterday and, and Tuesday because this whole thing is Carrie actually sent me that that thread um, Brie which was uh, amazing um, but but um, like there's this question because that you know I, I will say this I think the sentence that she's getting is too long um, yeah because she wasn't convicted of actually harming patients. She was convicted of defrauding investors who should have done more due diligence. Yep. That's beside the point. Um, you know, I feel like this is in, in some ways a waste of a lot of government resources because they're never going to get the restitution from her. She's never going to pay it. So some of this feels like laudatory for just the sake of being like, oh man, we feel we sure feel good about putting this nonviolent offender in jail for 11 years. Like, mm-hmm. you know, which whatever. But I had this question with Carrie, and I'm curious from both of your perspectives. Like, I think that there are, and, and his thread kind of encapsulated this, like there's kind of these two, two 
schools of thought about her. Like one, like she's being purposely deceptive. Like she knows that she's basically evil and is purposely doing this, which is the more and more I hear about our our, our patron saint, Anna Delvey, who I love, I think that Anna Delvey is completely in on the con and is leaning into it. Oh, incidentally, Anna Delvey, breaking news, is releasing a single and a podcast. Oh, God. Why? I I don't know, but I'm here for all of those things, even though I'm sure they'll be awful. This is an achievable Uh, goal. I was going to say, Simone, you have the followers. Please Instagram uh, DM her. Uh, But um, the the second thing, so, so one of it was like, is she like really in on this and is she like being purposely deceptive? Or number two, this is what I've come to think is much more likely and is is in some ways it makes her more sympathetic, but in some ways it's just it's odd. Like I I think she actually believes, like I, I think she's actually delusional. Like I think she actually believes everything she oh, says. I, I completely agree with that. I think that she has sipped her own Kool-Aid, as it were. Like I, I yeah, I think she's completely uh, mm, what's the word I'm looking for? Not credulous, because you can't be credulous when it's your own. Like, yeah, I, I think she believes in her powers, you know, and and what she's trying to do, which doesn't make it right. But you know, I mean, I think it's like that that part of the thread where he talks about, um, you know, imagine uh, on one side of the uh, of the the dial where your personality mm-hmm. is completely authentic, and on the other yep. side, it's completely manufactured. Elizabeth Holmes' uh, personality is horseshoed around <laughs> to the point where they're one and the same. It's both uh, completely authentic and completely manufactured at the yeah. same time. You find yourself under her spell. I 100% totally. believe that's her. Yeah. No. Yeah. I I, th- I think so. Um. Did you guys read the the um uh, juicy Vanity Fair um story yesterday about the fallout at the New York Times um after no, the, the profile but that maybe that, we should uh, save that, that, that for that I was particularly uh, critical of. Yeah. For a dessert for oh, another. We'll save week. that for another one. But I'll put. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll put it in the show notes. So just if anybody wants to um uh, read it, because that was a thing we talked about. Um, I think on a Boosty episode. But we we talked about the the, the New York Times um, profile. Apparently, a lot of people at the New York Times were also not happy with that profile. So it wasn't just it wasn't just uh, me. It wasn't just the internet. <laughs> All right. Well, that's going to be our show for this week. Let's talk about what we are up to. Uh, Brianna, what are you up to this weekend? I want to thank uh, Rocket listeners. On a past episode, I asked y'all to chime in and uh, vote for my amazing husband, Frank, uh, uh, for an award uh, for one of his science fiction stories. Y'all did in overwhelming numbers, and uh, Frank has won a uh, AmLab award for his science fiction work. So thank Yay. y'all so much for that. Uh, I'm actually traveling to uh, uh, New York right after this call to uh, uh, go accept that award at a huge ceremony. So um, really appreciate y'all showing up for my husband. Heck, Woo-hoo. yeah. Christina, what are you up to? Well, this weekend is not going to be as exciting as last weekend was for me because last weekend was, like, amazing. Um, As we'll discuss a little bit in the booster, I got to see Funny Girl. I got to see Taylor Swift. I got to watch the Succession series finale in a bar with a ton of people. Um, But this weekend, or this week, rather, I am in Atlanta, not for family, but for Render ATL, which is a— um, a big uh, kind of tech conference that is, this is its third year. It's so much bigger than it was even last year. And it's quickly becoming, I think, like they're trying to kind of make it into a South by Southwest sort of thing. Um, but it's, what's great mm. about it is there's a lot of diversity. There's a lot of 
black um, uh, engineers and, and software developers and people throughout like the tech industry represented, which is awesome. And uh, so I'm in Atlanta. So uh, listeners, if anybody is at Render ATL and you see me, Rocket Rules obviously apply. Uh, even though I'm $500 uh, poorer, <laughs> I will still buy you a drink. So if, if you generous. see me this weekend, uh, holler. But yeah, so that, that that's what I'm up to. Awesome. Uh, I got nothing going on, yo. I Okay, maybe this weekend I will finally have time to devote to Zelda because I have oh, no. not. Yeah. Like, I've barely been able to touch it. I'm like, I have my beautiful horse. I'm riding around. I'm in Hotno Village looking at mushroom people, and it's amazing. And then stuff keeps happening. I was busy all week, and I couldn't pick it up once. And I want to play. Everyone's so far ahead of me. Um, but I'll just be playing Zelda and watching the Spanish Grand Prix and enjoying this lovely New York weather. Um, that's me. Brianna, where can we find you online? Uh, you can find me, uh, please come find me at Blue Sky. Uh, find an, uh, someone to uh, give you a code and find me there. It's a really great place. I'm just Brianna on Blue Sky or find me on Mastodon. And if you absolutely must, you can find me on the social media network where the owner is amplifying a <laughs> gross misogynistic uh, account uh, targeting AOC uh, if you have to. And that is Brianna Wu on Twitter. All right. And Christina, what about you? You can find me at film underscore girl at mastodon.social. You can find me at film underscore girl on Instagram. You can find me at film girl at bsky.social uh, on Blue Sky. Um, and you can find me on Twitter, but much, much more rarely at film underscore girl. So it's, it's film underscore girl everywhere except for Blue Sky where it's film girl one word because they don't do underscores. Alas. And you can find me on all social media at Doom Quasar videos and streams at Polygon on Twitch and YouTube. And we do streams every Tuesday and Thursday at 3 p.m. Eastern. Thank you so much, everybody, for listening to this episode of Rocket. If you are a boosty, you are about to hear us discuss the discuss discuss the finale of succession which happened this past sunday ho 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 and has been what what are media people gonna talk about now um and thank you so much everyone who does support us if you want to learn more about how to do that you can go to relay.fm slash membership thank you so much everyone who listened and everyone who's left a review on apple Podcasts or spotify that helps other people find the show and experience our particular flavor of tech news. And I think that's a delicious thing. We'll be back with you next week. This episode of Rocket is terminated. 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 Terminated.